Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand-picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to episode two of our From the Archives podcast. And as it happens, it's episode two of our first series that we're looking at in 1 Thessalonians, looking at the idea of encouragement. Last week, we shared with you Jonathan's introductory uh, sermon and the idea of encouragement being based around truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is. If we truly want to be encouraged, then we won't come with platitudes or um, lies, things that we think will be comforting, but we will really be encouraged and comforted by the truth. This week, we've got Matt Bounds. Do you remember Matt Bounds? He was with us uh, for a time a few years ago. He's now the or one of the pastors in Highfields Church in Cardiff, and he's getting into 1 Thessalonians proper, looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And really, one of the big ideas he's looking at is the idea of role models, uh, he's got this phrase that he uses a few times that we learn not just by ideas taught, by examples caught. That if we're going to encourage one another in the Christian faith, if we're going to be encouraged, then we need to be and to have really good role models. People who live out the truth of the gospel in their lives. Um, in this sermon, he started things off with the description of a Scottish missionary to the New Hebrides who suffered some tragic losses in his life and in his autobiography he recounted how it was that he was able to deal with such loss and such tragedy in his life. Basically it boiled down to the exquisite example, the role models in the Christian faith that were his parents, not being missionaries themselves but their continued devotion in prayer for their children had left a lasting and enduring mark on them. So that's the illustration that Matt kicks off with. We're going to pick up the sermon a little bit later after he's shared that. But I really would commend this sermon to you. It's a great 25 minutes of Matt Bounds encouraging us to live encouraging lives in the gospel. I'll shut up and I'll let Matt get on with it. But I certainly think one of the main things we need to look at and talk about from this passage is uh, role models. I use that phrase role models deliberately, though there'll be other phrases we'll use this morning. Uh, example, model, but I'm, I'm going to go with role models. Uh, role models are powerful things. We all have them. We all have role models. The only question is what sort. I take Thomas to play football um, half ten every other Saturday, and it's very obvious once you've watched one of the games the nine-year-old kids play in, very obvious they've all got role models. And you get a good idea who those role models are. Sometimes some of them are standing on the touchlines. Um, they are, uh, you, you can tell the sort of role models they have by how they behave and how they respond to the situation. Many of them are very good. It makes me cringe. They're very good at doing the, the knee. Is there a particular word for it, Sammy? The knee slide thing when you celebrate a knee slide? They do the knee slide. I'm guessing, judging by the, the look of their dads on the touchline, I don't think they're getting it from their dads. They're getting it from someone else. They've got role models when it comes to playing football. They're punching the air. They're, some of them dive. You know, they dive, 
they're not, they're not actually tackled. They just get near to somebody, and they, or they breathe on them, and they dive. Um, some of them spit. It's obviously the tough thing to do, you know. They score a goal walking back, spit on the touchline. Why are they doing that? They didn't decide to do that themselves. They've been watching somebody, I'm guessing, a lot of the time, professional footballers on TV, unfortunately. Uh, we all have role models, and we, we consciously, to some degree, and unconsciously copy them. I've noticed this, I have to say, in the time that I've been serving on the, the Amateur Pastoral team uh, with John, Sammy, and I. You would probably have noticed this morning that Sammy recently has been tucking in his shirts. I, I think it's the, the c- combined example of the elders and then of me joining the team. He's now doing that. I now have this f- unaccountable desire when I preach a sermon to have three points and try and make them all begin with P if I possibly can because that's what Jonathan Thomas seems to do. Um, we get role models. We all have role models and we consciously and unconsciously are affected by them and change our behavior based on the way our role models act. And the power of examples or models, that the power of emulation and imitation is a strong theme in this passage. Why? Before we talk about that encouragement to um, be examples and be models, why is this happening? Just to put a bit of context to this. Well, remember, the big idea that John talked about last time is that in 1 Thessalonians, encouragement is something that's so important in the Christian church. Now, what is it that, what is the one thing would you say that a bunch of Christians like this needs to be encouraged in. If someone came here this morning, have you heard of the, um, the website Ship of Fools? I know a few people here have. They, um, I, I'm tempted to say that it's quite an appropriate name, actually, but it's a website that reviews churches. They send in mystery shoppers to, um, to decide how... It, if there's anybody from Ship of Fools here this morning, by the way, welcome. Um, they, come in, they come in to a church and they rate it and they go back and put on the website how well the church has done. So if someone from Ship of Fools came here and stuck something on the website, what would encourage you if you saw that on the website? If they said the music was good, well, I'm sure Rods and the, the band would be very encouraged. That would be nice to hear, wouldn't it? The music's good. A church likes to hear that. Um, the coffee, nice coffee. It is good quality coffee when you come in here, unlike some churches, I've got to say. Uh, that would be encouraging to hear, wouldn't it? Uh, what else might be encouraging? The numbers were good in the church, as they are here Sunday by Sunday, praise God. That would be great to hear, wouldn't it? Um, or maybe they, yeah, in that church, they're a church who really uses, they use the gifts that people have got, whether it's music or preaching or encouragement or hospitality um, or practical helps in the setup team. It's a really encouraging church because they use the gifts of everything. In the It'd be great to hear all those things. But what's the most important thing a church needs to hear, really? A bunch of people like this needs to hear. What does Paul say there in Verse 2 onwards, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember for our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's mentioning faith, hope, and love, as he often does. But that's not, that's not the main thing, the faith, hope, and love. The faith, hope, and love are evidence of something. And here we go, verse 4. This is the big thing he wants to encourage them in. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. He goes on then to give more evidence because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. But that's the big encouragement up front in this letter to the Thessalonians. To these people who profess to be Christians, professing to be followers of Jesus, he says, we know God has chosen you. How does he know? 
because there are various evidences of that. The faith, hope, and love that we see there, the fact that the gospel hadn't just changed their thinking and their theology, but their hearts had changed and their lives and their actions had changed. And so he knew they'd been saved. And he knew they needed to hear that because they were going through and would hit hard times. And in those hard times and when they faced death, they would need to know they were saved. They were forgiven because of their trust in Jesus. But as he thanks God for them and thanks God for these evidences of grace in their lives, he's implicitly encouraging them, isn't he, to carry on doing the same thing. He's not just saying, I thank God for you because he wants them to feel nice. He's encouraging them to carry on doing what they've been doing. And how did they develop these characteristics, these evidences of salvation, of grace in their lives? How do they go on showing them? Of course, we've touched on this already. The big answer is the Holy Spirit's power. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. But there's a bit more to it. How did the Holy Spirit work in them to bring about these evidences of grace? He used the example of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Verse 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. See, this is a pattern in Scripture as well as in the life of people like John Payton and people in this room, that God the Holy Spirit, when he's saved someone and is showing these evidences of grace in someone's life, he uses examples, he uses role models in their lives to develop these signs of grace. Uh, as you think through the Bible, you can think of examples. Uh, you know, Samuel's godly mother, Paul with Timothy. Paul said to the Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, which is a brave thing to say, isn't it? But he said it. And of course, ultimately, Jesus with his disciples. Jesus didn't just teach his disciples. He lived out perfectly what he taught, didn't he? Jesus was never once a hypocrite, which is a challenge to us. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then as he hung on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. All the way through scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit does this in the lives of God's people. And one of the ways he does it is by giving them examples, giving them role models. And in the time that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had been with the Thessalonian church, the Thessalonians got to see how they lived. Paul talks about, you, you saw how we lived among you. And very importantly, and key to this, the Thessalonians had seen how they suffered. The Thessalonians saw how Paul, Silas, and Timothy lived out what they said. They saw their, their general lack of hypocrisy. You, know, you get to know someone when you live with them, don't you? That's why I try not to make contact with, with any newlyweds in the room. But uh, it's true, isn't it? Whether it's in a marriage or a, or a close friendship, um, whatever the relationship might be, when you spend time living with someone, around someone, seeing all their good habits and their bad habits, that's when you really get to know somebody. And that's what happened with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. When they were there with the Thessalonians, the, the Thessalonians were up close with them in everyday life, and they saw their great example, what great role models they were. And so by God's grace, by the Holy Spirit's power, the Thessalonians had partly consciously, partly unconsciously imitated them. That's the word Paul uses there. You imitated us. And as a result, we see here that they then became role models, examples to others. And the result, the gospel 
was powerfully lived out in the eyes of the Thessalonians and in the eyes of the wider world. So we're going to see three things here that I want to go through very quickly. Firstly, what the Thessalonians will be encouraged to carry on doing and what we're encouraged to do is be copycats. That's the first thing. Secondly, be impressive. And third, be contagious. Obviously, I've got to explain each of those because they might sound a bit strange. They, they were called to be copycats, be impressive, and be contagious. Firstly, then, they were, they were called to be copycats. Paul said, look, you imitated our example. And by implication, he's saying, carry on imitating our example as we imitate Jesus. Because this is why they're, they're encouraged to imitate the apostles. Not because they're perfect, but because they, in turn, are imitating Jesus. Don't you think the church needs, hasn't the church always needed, spirit-led role models? One of the ways he works, one of his great means in the church, is godly examples for believers to copy. I've had them. I hope you've had them too. Jesus, of course, is our great example. Verse 6, Paul says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. He is our great example. In 1 Peter 2, 22 onwards, uh, Paul, uh, Peter, as he speaks of the cross of Jesus and Jesus atoning death, he says, Jesus suffered, leaving you an example to follow. The cross is primarily what Jesus did to save us, to forgive us, but it's also a great example to us. Jesus is the great example, but then Jesus, by his Spirit, has given us, has given us godly, Christ-like examples who can help us to live out the gospel. And these Thessalonian Christians knew Jesus' example through the word of the gospel, verse 4, no, sorry, not verse 4, um, verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. They knew it through the word of the gospel, but also through the kind of men that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had been among them. These were the people they could safely emulate. The church needs godly, spirit-led role models. And don't forget they'd been a particular example in the way they had suffered. So the Thessalonians got to see them up close that when they faced hardship and persecution... And, of course, they had to leave Thessalonica in the end, didn't they, because of the, the danger they were in. What they saw in Paul, Silas, and Timothy was instead of bitterness when they were faced with hardship, they saw joy. Instead of a desire for revenge, they saw a desire for peace. Instead of them seeing Paul, Silas, and Timothy turning inward on themselves and looking inside, they saw that they were Christ-focused and Christ-exalting. Can I just encourage you... Because I want to say in my short time so far here in Amford Evangelical Church, there are such people here in Amford Evangelical Church. And some of you are nodding right now, so you know that. You've come across such godly role models. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit to the church. Because we are built to imitate, aren't we? Um, sorry to yet again use my children as an example, but we, we laugh regularly because we see mannerisms the, most, the funniest mannerisms, of course, are Kath's mannerisms, not mine, reflected in our kids. And you have these conversations, are they, are they copying me? Or is that genetic? Or is it just a subconscious thing? And sometimes it's hard to say, but you imitate your examples. You imitate your role models. And you build habits based on that. I, I can tie my laces because my dad showed me how because I kept copying him and I kept practicing. Uh, our, our children, our friends will look to us and see how we approach conflict. Do we react angry or do we react with peace and even with joy and with prayer? We just, we just soak these things in from the people around us, don't we? We all have role models. 
The only question is, what sort of role models are they? Are they godly, gospel-reflecting role models or not? It's something we really need to give some thought. Um, Sophia humbled me the other morning because I, I was upstairs getting ready to take them to school. Kath had already gone off to work. She came running upstairs. She said, Daddy, you forgot to pray for Mummy when she went to work this morning. Because one of the things I got into the habit of doing a few years back was we'd pray little prayers. Kath drove off down the road. Please, Lord Jesus, keep Mummy safe. And I realized the last few weeks I'd forgotten to do it. I said, Sophia, I'm so sorry. She said, it's all right, Daddy. Thomas and I prayed for Mummy as she drove down the road. <laughs> yeah. One of the elders being told off by, by his children. Um, but you, we, we, now that's just a prayer. We don't know what's going on in the heart for sure, do we? But these, these children, the people we know, and we ourselves, we imitate our role models whether we realize it or not. So we need to ask this morning, as we're encouraged here to be copycats, who are my most influential examples? Who are my closest peers? Whose ways seep through in my behavior? I imagine people saying to the Thessalonians who knew Paul and Silas and Timothy, I imagine them saying something like this to them after they spent a day with them. They say, you've been around, you've been around Paul, Silas and Timothy, haven't you? Who do you hang around and who do you spend time with? Yeah, especially when you've got a choice. Who are your role models and do you have role models in Christ? We need to thank God for the godly role models we have and we need to seek out and pray for godly role models for ourselves and for others and for our children. We need to copy Jesus by copying those people who most closely follow him and who act like him. So that's the first thing Paul encourages the Thessalonians, by implication to do, to carry on being copycats of him and other godly Christians, because in doing so, they'll become more like Jesus. But secondly, he's encouraging not only to be copycats, but to be impressive. Most of us, I think it's fair to say, sorry, I don't want to bring a word of discouragement, but most of us in the eyes of the world, include the person up on the stage right now, will never be considered by many people to be impressive. But there is one sense in which we're all called to be impressive, and it's this. Not only have we always got role models, we are always being role models to other people. If you're a parent, it applies. If you're an aunt or an uncle, if you're a friend, it applies. If you're a Sunday school teacher, it applies. If you regularly rub shoulders with other in the church, others in the church, you're being a role model and you're meant to be impressive. Not impressive in the sense that um, people walk away and say, hey, he's just, that Sammy is just great, isn't he? He's an impressive in, individual, which he is. But not in that sense, no. Is that person having an influence that is a godly gospel influence? Having godly role models, you see, is transformative. Do you see what Paul says there? You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. There's a cause and effect here. If we have godly role models, we tend to become godly role models. People who have good spirit-led examples tend to become good spirit-led examples. Uh, the word that Paul uses here um, for example or model, depending on what version you've got in front of you, is, is the Greek word tupos, from which we get the word type. And is a word that could speak of a die, as in casting a die, or a, a model, or a pattern, or a mold. It spoke of something, basically, that got pressed against something else in order to make that something else into the same sort of image. 
That's what a pattern or a mold or a type or a dye does, doesn't it? It speaks here of the thing that got pressed against the raw material to make it the right shape. It speaks of the mold that many copies are made from. And that, that reminds you, we need to get up close. You need to be up close with someone and share life with someone to really be a role model to them. And we're meant to be impressive role models in this sense, in a good sense, in a gospel sense. So you will be, and you already are, every single one of you, an example a model, a mold, a role model to those Christians and those who don't yet believe in Jesus who spend a lot of time with you. The only question is that really matters what sort of role model are you? Are you a gospel role model or not? So that's the second thing. Uh, they're called to be copycats, they're called to be impressive, and lastly, um, they're called to be contagious. As we copy our godly role models and so copy Christ, and as we seek to be role models, to be a mold, to mold people into what Jesus is like, we are called also to be contagious. Do you note the result of their copying Paul and of their becoming role models? The result of it, we read here, is this, verse 7, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Bit of hyperbole there from Paul, but he can't think of anywhere where their their example isn't known. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned from God to idols, from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. He's saying to them, I want to encourage you. You have followed our example and become such role models that everybody everywhere in any church I speak to knows about your example. It's spreading. It's contagious in a good way. People heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ and they understood it, yes, through the Lord's message, the word, which is essential, but also through the fact that the Thessalonians' faith had spread because it had been lived out. What they did chimed. It harmonized with what they said. Aren't we so guilty in the church so often of not doing that? That we say the right stuff, we preach the right theology, we teach the right doctrine, we get the facts right, and then our lives just don't match up with the message we present. With the Thessalonians, that wasn't the case. The words and the actions chime together. We need words, yes, but we need actions. The going forth of the message would have, would have been an encouragement to other believers as well, of course, but also attractive to those who hadn't met the Savior yet. Isn't that so important? We're doing Christianity Explored uh, Thursday nights. It's happening Tuesday mornings as well. We could do a great job of presenting the gospel message to the people there and then walk outside the doors and by our example completely undermine what we just said. We are called to be contagious in our example to others. How does that work? What does that look like in practice? Well, for example, when you face attacks, like Paul, Silas, and Timothy did, how do you respond? Is your first reaction, and I think this is quite a few of us in this church, and I've, I've been tempted to do it many times, your first reaction is you want to vent. And of course, these days, we don't just vent to the one or two people we know well or the person we're meeting for coffee. No, no, what we do is we vent on Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social media it may be. And we, we like, and we often keep it as vague as we can and say something like, some people can be so inconsiderate 
so thoughtless, so cruel. Which then means all your Facebook followers, of course, are thinking, is he talking about me or is he talking about someone else? Our response is to vent. Our response is not to to react in a godly way, but to react with anger. What sort of example, what sort of a role model am I? One question is, how do I respond to attacks? And they might be very real attacks. They might be vicious. They might be hurtful. How do I respond? Do I respond like Christ responded? Jesus who said, turn the other cheek. Jesus who prayed for those who were crucifying him. What is my example like in that sense? What about when work is really hard? You're really tired. How do you live then? Do you live in a gospel way that shows grace or in an anti-gospel way? I don't think it's just pastors and elders and preachers who suffer from this. You know, they can preach um, every now and then maybe a wonderful sermon that everybody's talking about. And then you go home and you're short with your wife and your children. And you don't live out the gospel to those who you make the greatest impression upon, to whom you are the most powerful role models. What about when you're ill? Maybe gravely so. Are you a person of whom people will say, I'm so privileged that I saw them suffer? That might sound like a strange thing to say, but I'll say it again because I think it's important. I was so privileged to see them suffer. You know, one of the things that's humbled me since I've been with this church is uh, I've been able to do um, a lot more visiting than I used to do previously and spend time with people. And especially when I spent time with some of the older members of the congregation, some of those who were going through illness, it's been a privilege and a humble thing, humbling thing for me to see how they've suffered. I don't mean that they're suffering in a stiff upper lip, I'm, I'll be fine sort of way. No, they're honest about the fact that they're suffering, but they show the grace of Jesus in the way they're going through that. Because they're saying, this is hard, this hurts, this is just horrible, but Jesus is with me. I love him and he loves me. He's been such an example to me. Um, There are role models in this church to me already. Are we going to be those sorts of role models? I remember hearing a a well-known preacher speaking not so long ago, and he spoke of how uh, a college professor of his, who was also a pastor, I think, when he found out that he had uh, terminal cancer, he actually said to this guy, I'm going to move and come and live close to you, in the, in the months that I had. And one of the reasons I want to do it, I want to show you, this, this guy was a Christian, of course, and he, he said to him, I want to show you how a Christian can, can die. Don't we need that? Don't we need people in our lives who will show us what it means to suffer, to respond to hardship, and yes, to face the greatest hardship of all ultimately, because they, they've spent time with Jesus and they're like Jesus. And when I spend time with them, I get molded to become more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit works in me. We need grace to be examples like this. And we must pray for grace, but we need godly examples too. Are we seeking to be godly role models? Are we seeking out godly role models? When we have them and when we ask for grace to live out the gospel of grace, we will become the sort of role models and examples that Thessalonians became. You know, one commentator on this passage puts it this way. People learn... Um, best not just through ideas taught but through examples caught not through ideas taught but examples caught the Thessalonians became such examples role models to the people who knew them that it gladdened Paul's heart and the whole world started to hear about it what will we be like in Amherst Evangelical Church we need to copy Jesus by copying his godly examples and be an example to those who watch us and you are being watched 
you are being watched. Whether it's by children or peers, maybe those older than you, those older in the faith, those younger in the faith, but you are being watched. And we're not judged by our works, praise God. We're judged by whether we're trusting in Jesus for our salvation. But he calls us to live in a certain way that we are impressive and contagious and that people can safely copycat us in the way that we live. An example is a powerful thing because we learn not only by ideas taught, but by examples caught. Be contagious in a good way. Be part of the chain of gospel grace transmission, if you like, from Jesus to those who follow him closely to those who are following us for his glory and for our joy. Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at amfordchurch.com. If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly, why not check us out on YouTube, where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.